Welcome to day 191 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Isaiah chapters 25 to 27 and Psalm 80. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 25 of Isaiah continues the little apocalypse or the celebration of God's judgment over evil. The chapter is divided into three sections. The first section, verses 1 through 5, is a personal psalm of praise for God's actions in the past and for God's continued care for the poor. What's most striking in these verses is that the prophet praises God for turning the city into ruins. It's likely that the prophet intends the city to represent Assyria or Babylon or every city that is devoted to a life of arrogant acquisition while misusing the poor and vulnerable. The second section, verses 6 through 10a, prophetically imagines out of the rubble the possibility of God's new future. The world that has been covered with a veil of death, sadness, and loss is invited instead to a banquet feast of life. On the mountain of the Lord, death will be swallowed up forever, and all the circumstances that now cause tears will be wiped away. Walter Brueggemann describes these verses this way. The poet speaks about nothing less than radical, complete transformation. Biblical faith is not a moral system. It's not a mode of holding on or staying in control. It is rather an act of yielding in the present, as the poet does, to the assurances given for God's future. These powerful words of hope obviously make their way into the New Testament and into the interpretation of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, as well as into the eschatological hopes in the book of Revelation. The last verses of the chapter, verses 10b through 12, return to judgment. It's not clear why Moab, again, is the recipient of God's wrath, but the end of this prophetic chapter is a reminder that the new cannot come without negating the old. This radical vision of the old world ending and a new world beginning continues into chapter 26. Verses 1-6 through are a hymn in which God's people sing confidently about the future that God will bring on that day. The rest of the chapter, verses 7-21, through are a lament about the challenges of waiting for that day of the Lord to come. The hymn celebrates that those who trust in the Lord can live in confidence that God can and will bring down all the powers of oppression. In fact, he'll bring the mighty down so low that the feet of the poor will be able to walk right on them. It's unclear how the hymn and the lament relate to one another. Perhaps the hymn is meant to motivate God to act on behalf of the lamenting community, or perhaps the purpose of verses 1-6 through is to celebrate the persistent faith of those who trust even if they don't yet see the results that they are hoping for. The lament begins with the righteous asserting that they are living on the right path of justice and are waiting for God to act. The main verbs in the lament are words like waiting, longing, and watching, God's people are waiting, longing, and watching for God's redemption, and they're waiting like a woman who's in labor and waits actively for the child to be born. But the lament is that currently their groans and pains of labor have produced not a baby, but emptiness. But in verse 19, the answer from God finally comes. The answer is radical because it breaks open all the categories of their imagination. God will raise the dead to life. This is one of the few places in the Old Testament where the resurrection of the dead is clearly promised and expected. This is more than a hope for life after death. It's the hope that God will defeat and swallow up death itself. The final verses, verses 20 through 21, appear to be a second response to their lament. 
The faithful are urged to take cover, to hide, for in a little while the fury will be over. The faithful must endure until the day of the Lord comes, no matter how long that takes. Chapter 27 concludes this little apocalypse. The chapter celebrates God's victory over the great mythical creature of chaos, Tohu Bohu, that creature Leviathan. In place of this chaos where violence and exile seems to reign, God's vineyard will be protected and rebuilt as a place of peace or God's shalom. Verses 7-13 through 13 seem to refer to the conquest of Israel or Ephraim by Assyria and their threatening of Jerusalem. Where there used to be cities in the north, like Samaria, now cows just graze. But in what sounds a lot like the hopes of the trumpets declaring a jubilee, in the end, all of the scattered exiles will hear the trumpet and return to Jerusalem. Our psalm for today, Psalm 80, sounds very much like a lament that could fit right in these chapters of Isaiah. The call of the psalmist is for God to wake up and show himself. Even the language of a vine that comes out of exile and needs to be cared for has a lot of echoes and connection to the imagination of Isaiah. But remember, the hope is not in the root itself, but in God's ability to care for and bring the vine ultimately to fruitfulness again. These texts remind us that waiting on the Lord with patience does not mean waiting without laments. Laments are a sign of faith that we know God can act and can make things new. And we're going to keep living faithfully and we're going to keep calling on God until he comes with his power to bring life even out of death. We turn now back to Isaiah's relationship to the Judean 8th century kings. Tomorrow we start to think about King Hezekiah. We're reading Isaiah chapters 28 through 30 tomorrow. I'll talk to you then.